He is the host that has finally embraced the Eastern lifestyle that has been driving us all for many months now. He's slim. He is one with himself as the being known as the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 244. Not sure if that's the right number, but welcome back to Paper Keg. You know, we're becoming at peace. I'm not sure what part of Eastern uh, This just in, two, episode 243. Oops. I'm not sure what kind of training Jonesy telling me to eat a D off air is part <laughs> of, but I'll have to research my archives. It's uh, page uh, one in the handbook, the Zen Buddhist handbook, is eating a D. This week, you know, we, we, we talked over my usual intro spot. This week, Executioner Song. <laughs> From Marvel Comics. Just get ready. Uh, three living hosts of this show. We got one that's, you know, he's making a lot of moves recently. Life moves. Dance moves. He's all over the Facebook. He runs our, our Facebook. Paper Keg. Runs it. Uh, Dale underscore A. Welcome back. Uh, it's great to be back, guys. I mean... You know, it's with so much going on in, in each other's lives, for us to be able to come together, congregate at least once a week for the Church of Paper Keg, you know, hot off of uh, reading books for the show, uh, you know, 14 issues, 36 issues, it matters not when it comes to the book club of this show. <laughs> we just, we see a book, we tractor beam right in on it, and uh, you know what, sacrifices must be made, children... You know, put to bed early in quotes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> what is the, what does the quotes mean? You didn't in see that nothing. Sentence. You don't hear nothing. <laughs> it's all children in the name passed of the out shop. in the, the kitchen the right now on the floor. <laughs> Ether bottle. As soon as the show's over, I like a jar is off of my shoulders i can you know deal with any sort of familial ramifications Mm -hmm. that's good it's good to hear it's good that this record is admissible in court should the need arise lawyer lawyer. (laughs) final host uh jonesy loves beer he's a writer he um doesn't run any of our social medias. Thank God. Sometimes he hops on and, you know, he lets the fave train go on. Uh, that's about it. Jonesy Loves Beer, welcome back to the show. I like to think I'm responsible for like 93% of the faves that come out of the official <laughs> account. You know, like an at reply hits me. I don't pay attention to what account it's been at replied mm-hmm. to. I uh, out of out of like the daleness of myself, I just hit that like button so effing hard, and uh, that's how paper cake likes happen, folks. It's me, it's me liking your tweets. 
Not these two clowns. Well, Slim Slim is like a metal exoskeleton. Like, he could care less. Pretty much. Like you, Care less about what? You, uh, faving right. a tweet responding, or responding faving. to a tweet? I mean, you're just dried up to your ducks. You don't care. No, <laughs> the man is so popular, he can't afford notifications. He is like That's celebrity true. DEFCON level That's, one. The, the, uh, the, the true statement is that I do not have notifications on. I don't want to be... My I don't want need my daily work life to be hindered by a distraction of notifications from mm. from Twitter. That's not due to celebrity. <sighs> I only you know you know I'm not popular. I just do a podcast with three three people, friends, myself well, included. Yeah, I would yeah, say, friendish. Mm. You know, well, well. <laughs> I mean, um, but I, you know, I give faves out to know? whom exactly? Like Cheetos, Josh Topolsky. Super Red friends Bull. of the show. It sounds like that there's some fave, <laughs> you know, uh, feelings that have been hurt. Maybe we're going through a fave drought. Two people. Like, that's what it is. That there's a fave drought happening between the fave <laughs> brothers right now. <laughs> there's only so many times you can fave each other's tweets that I guess it's not having the same effect anymore. I mean, I tell you, I defy you to go down the timeline of one of these two and see who is the who is guaranteed to be faving nine out of ten of those tweets. Del, I'll fave, you're looking I'll at fave the, you you're looking day. at him right now. I'll fave you anytime. You can be my fave wingman anytime. He'll be your fave Huckleberry. BS. <laughs> you know there is. <laughs> is one comment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now we had a there's a big week in the world, Dale, I don't think has seen uh the mm. Batman versus the Superman film. Mm, how the You've tables been busy. have turned. You've been, you know, machinating big paper keg plans our next book club you've been putting the wheels in motion you know there's a lot of levers yeah, days, that have been days in advance this kind of thing happens you, so mm-hmm. i thought i saw you run up the steps and and calendar in the conference room so nobody else could take it so we could you know do a think tank about the next book right yeah we, we booked the uh mascara conference room so we'll just go ahead in there with some <laughs> during lunch it'll be a lunch so there's a sub. I think that was like a sub tweet. That was a sub podcast tweet. You think. wish. Now you haven't you haven't seen the film yet. Can we confirm or deny? So we shouldn't talk about the film. Is what should I mean? Is, should Jonesy, Jonesy's lips already quivering like two slugs that got salt poured on them. Because <laughs> yes, uh, for the show, he allowed us to spoil Man of Steel for him. And it, so we, as soon as you asked me that, Jonesy's lips quivered and curled like the Grinch. Uh, no, I have not seen it yet. Um, if you do want to talk about it at the end of the show, please do. I do planning on planning on seeing it you know, sometime in theaters. I don't know mm-hmm. when. You know, my life is just so hectic right now that I could just jump off a bridge and end it all, you know, to just really just calm everything down, you know? Man, on that note, I really yeah, feel I like know. talking about it. Yeah, definitely dig that, dig his hole even deeper, Jonesy, by all means. <laughs> Either way, I'm a monster. Not, you don't see Man of Steel, I'm a monster. I want to talk about BVS, I'm a monster. I get it. Okay, guys? Now, I'm going to play Jonesy, the role you re- that you've written for me. Have you revealed what your thoughts were of Man of Steel yet? I have not. When you eventually did see it? Can you can you regale us before we get into Just a reminder, book club this week, Executioner's mm-hmm. Song, mm-hmm. Marvel Universe, defining 
event. Gen Z, please. Man of Steel in a few sentences or less. Okay, lightning round, Man of Steel. I understand the thought process uh, by wanting to include as much as you can uh, to set up a, a kind of off-the-cuff cinematic universe. First sentence. <laughs> Second sentence is um, the solo Ben Affleck movie is going to be toit. Wait, I thought you were talking about Man of Steel. I thought we were summing up BVS. No. No, was... oh, no, I asked about Man <laughs> no, of Steel. Man of Steel? Uh, the <laughs> amount of human dust that is caked on you uh, after seeing the ending of Man of Steel is equivalent to the amount of dust surrounding my heart <laughs> towards this movie. Wow. My gosh. <coughs> Spoilers. The, um, uh, what did you uh, have you followed the DC Rebirth news at all? Either one of you? You've been out of the loop. You've been, in, you know, you guys have essentially been cut off from comic news, industry news for a long time. Which has been very liberating. But please go ahead. What is DC Comics Rebirth? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm, I should be the one to bring it up. You know, maybe we'll have to study it. We'll come back to it next circle week. Circle back to it. We'll circle back. We'll punch it mm-hmm. up. Get that we'll, conference room uh, for a second day. <laughs> Pretty much there's a lot mm. happening. Holding the line at two ninety nine. Oh, okay. That should make Jonesy happy. Every book, two ninety nine. I'm gonna say for one month. I'm gonna say five words right now. Greg Rucka on Wonder Woman. Okay, I'm in. So you had me at ruh, the ruh part. Because <laughs> it could have been Greg Land that I wouldn't be like, eh. Oh boy! But you said Rucka, so the artist's artist, Greg <laughs> Land. What about what about this executioner song, Jonesy? What is going on with this? Why are we doing it? What, where where does this uh, take place in the in the world of X Men? Well, the executioner on, baby, song. Nineteen ninety two. Marvel Comics, Executioner's Song, Deuce, singing the song Daisy Dukes right now, 1992. I needed an I needed an opener, you know what I mean? I could have just went with anything, but Alright, Jonesy, air quotes some I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dad, sorry. Nineteen ninety two, Dale's getting, you know, college acceptance letters left and right. He's thinking about getting his own place. All right, so Executioner's song is basically along with um, Days of Future Past, probably the quintessential 
I don't really want to say this. No. Severely influencing book of the X Men in the nineteen nineties. Uh brings us the glory of cable. Uh really in its full glory. Uh the story goes as such, you know, there is a uh muty concert in Central Park, you know, and mutants come out to like uh you know, really celebrate this artist who's got this super positive message. And then of course the dregs of humanity come out to um to, you know, be their dreggy selves. There's an assassination assassination attempt made by Cable at Professor X, which sets off uh, a big chain of events. The X-Men and X-Factor go after X-Force, which, of course, uh, you know, Cable and the X-Force at this time, uh, you know, they're really hitting the ground running trying to, you know, get the team to cough up Cable. Hey, you took a pot shot of Professor X. He's fighting for his life. Uh, somehow, you know, Apocalypse is uh, kind of brought out of his Egyptian freezer early to kind of deal with the situation as the uh, his four horsemen are deeply involved in the conflict. And through the center of it is this relationship between Cable and... And mysterious mutant Strife. Who is Strife? Why does he want, you know, Professor X dead? What? Why does he hate Cable? And more importantly, why does he kidnap Cyclops and the Phoenix, but yet can't quite bring himself to kill them? What is his relationship with them? And you really delve deeply into some... Marvel U villains throughout 14 issues. Mr. Sinister, Apocalypse, you know, the man himself, Steerife. And uh, believe it or not, the relationships forged in this 14 issues, uh, most notably, the uh, it is the onset of the romance between Gambit and Rogue. Uh, we have deep ripples felt even to today. Mm. And... I only assume that the execution is uh, itself aimed at Professor X, but really, our hearts are the ones executioned by the end of this tale. Executioner's song. I'm just wow, trying to say execution. definitely one of your most mm-hmm. special synopsis. You put... You Synopsize. slipped a, he- a hood over that synopsis and you stood it up. Executioned it. <laughs> and you stood in the back with uh, three or four dummy guards with fake guns. You loaded yours. <laughs> and you ex- executed that <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> this one was. I'm was it 12 especially or excited issues? that you noticed. Oh, boy. It was uh well technically it was a hundred and seven issues, <laughs> but plus the strife strike file which you don't need to read. Luckily, you don't need to read that. You didn't need to read the epilogue issue, which was kind of crap. I honestly I didn't read it. It was junk. It was that every X Men event back then had some kind of awful epilogue issue that took place because <laughs> all the other creative teams needed a break, and it was like two sets of two characters. Just talking about <laughs> Jack S. Um, junk. You know what really would have like made the epilogue worth it? One of those Anything. classic 
X-Men play baseball. baseball. Games. Yeah. Oh, and can't yeah. use their powers, but they still do. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm, that's what I'm saying. Now, so Dale, you, you know, several times you've, you've jokingly referenced this was many issues, many parts. You're coming off of Maximum Carnage into an, a, now an X-Men event or in the same era. How, how does this feel for you? This was like <clears throat> even more than Maximum Carnage. I mean, the 90s for me, probably all of us, were X-Books, X-Men. You know, you're, 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 you're watching the cartoon, you're buying the, the cards, and you're, you're picking up any X-Book you can. And I got a, I have a lot of love. This is obviously this is the first time I've ever read this straight through. I've maybe read four or five issues of this randomly, but it was such a freight train moving forward. And my access to to you know comics at one stop, I didn't even know that they can't, you know they were coming out weekly or whatever. But I mean, I love this. I love it. But reading it like this, I mean, it was a huge, huge event that frankly amounted to nothing. And there were just loopholes coming out of the butt. I'm pretty sure my senses were blitzed uh, every single issue. I found that there was a strange staccato nature to each issue in which the first four pages would be super dialogue heavy. And then, like, 18 pages of just pure action, of which the consequences usually had no stakes. Like, nothing really changed by the end of the issue. I think it, until Strife goes to the moon, uh, you know, the old blue, was it the blue sector, or whatever it is, the mm-hmm. blue spot, uh, that's when you finally get the, like, the last night on Earth moment where this is like, you know, some of these people might not come back. Even though this series is all about bringing people back from the dead you know you kind of feel like it could change any minute and i also thought at the end of issue three when cable goes to the armory and puts on armor and takes like eight bazookas was the most rob liefeld thing i've ever seen in my entire Which, life ironically was drawn by greg capullo but it, that issue. did you see like i should have count, i should have stroke counted the amount of pouches on that outfit it had the number in the yeah, low hundreds lot. I mean, they were like all these amazing <laughs> futuristic phaser guns, and they all had like canvas straps, like olive, <laughs> like olive drab, standard issue canvas straps, and all these things. This this was, uh, I was like eight or turning nine at the time. Getting, I was picking these up in Pathmark. This was like my. I think these might have been my comic book introductions to X Men for the most yeah. part. Like I didn't know who some of these characters were. So the goofy writing from the 90s where every issue starts out with, her name is Storm, she controls the weather, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Like, mm. those were those affected me. That's how it, I learned about these and characters. N- mm-hmm. You know what? You're absolutely right because it has an effect. Single issue by single issue, that works. It works so, so good. But when you're reading 13 in a row... It's like yeah, okay, it's get trying. get it, but you can under you can completely understand why they did it. How, They're and, children of the atom. They're pushing how about the moment it. when Wolverine himself baptizes Cable as the new badass for a new generation? I mean, that was kind of genius. Like, if you want to really solidify Cable 
as the baddest mother effer in the 616, have Wolverine acknowledge him <laughs> as being on the same level as him in that mm-hmm. amazing brown and yellow costume that I love so much. <laughs> well, he's had, he's, I think his cable series had just started then, and X Force. I guess had been going for a year at that point. So he was, you know, on the cusp of mm-hmm. getting overdone at that point. And I think he did eventually, but the this is this reminds me of the hush story where it's like the end of the world story where you throw everything at the kitchen sink and there's one X-Men animated show it might have been the end of season 1 where like Magneto joins forces yeah. to like Night of the that Sentinels, was like whoa. I think. Like Magneto's on the team. This is like end of the world. Yeah, type Professor stuff. Like, this, X is piloting the Blackbird. Again. Yes, exactly oh, yeah. right. And and this the series probably getting overtaxed was... and fainting. <laughs> God, yeah. Jean Grey lifting a paperclip, getting a bloody nose. <laughs> the this was like was that like you know apocalypse yeah. joining forces? Dude, it was so cool. Like, is this yeah. real? And and it was cool. Be- and it was cool because like recently, all of the recent X books. Any like any guest appearance by another X team member would would be like tongue in cheek or like kind of jokey, but this was like hardcore crossover. Like to see all the members of these X teams together was is epic. It's amazing to see just X Factor and X Force and X Men, all the X Men teams. I don't know. It, there was something special about it, and I had forgotten how BA it was. To see, like, because these were, like, my first books. Like, some of these characters, I thought, were, like, the the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I thought Havoc was, like, one of the coolest characters ever. Absolutely. I fell in love with the Havoc character in Executioner Song. Dude, that part where, at the end, where Alex has enough gray, or enough Summer's DNA to go mm-hmm. in and help his brother at the end. Ooh, that's a movie moment. That's, like, a cinematic climax don't and see they, it coming. they like stupidly recap it for the audience like <laughs> it was like you knew it's it they do it on purpose obviously because somebody might not know but like sh- the way strife spells it out like he spelled audibly. it out for like five issues and they didn't <laughs> did. even really reveal it at this point yet because i think they they did they waited another year before they reveal that cable is the the child that they sent into the future and he's the he's the clone. So like, I mean, reading it now, I was like, okay, we get it. Like, why aren't Cyclops and Jean Grey be like, wait, are we your parents or something? They never once like asked that question. They just go along with his weird vagaries. Question. Yeah, and because they, they were like, oh, he must be mad at us for something about a child, something, <laughs> something like <laughs> calls me like, father what? for some reason. I don't really <laughs> yeah. get it, Gene. Do you get it? No, he said okay, it in quotes, so I don't it. know. <laughs> Probably don't need to research this at all for the future. <laughs> Right. So I I don't feel like this was resolved here. And, you know, Matt, maybe, I'm sorry, Slim, with your, uh, oh, my God, I broke the fourth wall. Covert. Uh, covert. <laughs> edit, edit, scratch, edit. It's always been our dream to do 243 episodes of Uh Is Strife a straight-up clone, or is he meant to be like an alternate timeline jumper? He, he's a clone, and I think... He was, cl- I think he was created by Apocalypse and... In the future. Like, I, I, I can't remember who created him, but Apocalypse, like, semi-raised him to be, like, his heir slash husk body to move into his body, and then he found out he was a clone, and then he, like, got rid of him. 
Um, but yeah, that's he's he's a clone of Cable. So yeah, re- rereading it, I was like, man, they really don't explain anything at the end of the series. They kind of just like allude to it, heavy, but they don't outright say. I mean, the, the Summer's DNA parts were like, okay, well, you know, maybe why don't you just say it? But they still <laughs> yeah, don't even do that. But Cy- Cyclops even kind of figures it out at the end. He even alludes to it. He's like, I just, I had to, what did he say? Like, I, I, I got rid of him or I sent him away again, question mark. And like, Gene's <laughs> like, oh, no, you don't think. And like, wouldn't you have a more labored reaction to, wait a minute, that guy is my son that I sent into the future and I just had to kill him a second time? Like, maybe have some emotion at that revelation. He should just be like, yeah, Gene, I effing think. I'm spelling it out <laughs> for everybody right now. That's what I effing think, Gene. Remember, Gene, do you remember 10 minutes ago where he fed me baby food like I was his baby? <laughs> he kept snarkily talking meant, about it. <laughs> uh, how about that scene where I, I, didn't, I had no idea Cyclops said the hots for Psylocke? Oh, yeah. That was, that start, that was in like the the relaunch or the new number one era like he was always gawking at her wearing you know swimsuits when they were playing baseball or whatever and i think gene read his mind so that was a thing for, Awkward. for a hot minute man i would never want to marry a mind reader just forget it <laughs> yeah really it's game over that's why she kept the, that's why she was getting pushed towards uh logan all the time oh god he Genie. wanted it I thought uh, I thought Wolverine was amazing in this. I thought Andy Kubert's art was like a revelation oh, in these issues. Every time like, he draws Wolverine smoking, I just oh, wanted to go get a cigar out of my humidor like every, and light it up. Man, I have so much. Like looking back, you see all these names that you just know now. But Greg Capullo kills it, and Absolutely kills and it. honestly, I would like back when I was twelve years old and this came out. I would have probably thrown the Jay Lee issues away. The Jay Lee issues were amazing. I loved, yeah, I loved his issues. Even I, though I think his style has evolved pretty hardcore into something like you know majestic now, I really enjoyed the, the Jay, Lee, Jay Lee issues. I th- like the weirdo poses, the darkness, yeah. the Wolverine stuff. Then was great. I thought it was like super, di- and it was so starkly different from the rest of the comics, like alongside of it in that run, but. I freaking loved those issues with the Jay Lee art. It was amazing. It was totally different. It was like like alternative, like an alternative comic, and mm-hmm. and like it, it was like an, a strange tales story. I I don't know, but it was gorgeous. Yeah, I think the Jay Lee issues are the issues that I don't have like of the actual Executioner song because I remember either not being able to track them down or not liking the covers at all. And the covers, you know, are very different than you know mm-hmm. what would be 90s mainstream x-men yeah yeah they really are and that, and that was um i think he did the x-factor issues peter david mm-hmm. wrote those ones and yeah. P- i mean peter david's writing in the x-factor issues were pretty key i mean i loved i loved and the that, go ahead i was gonna say the 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 status quo thing Jonesy, that you were even mentioning was like x-factor there's a falling out or x-force there's a falling out with cable and x-force <laughs> So once they think Cable did it, they like track down X Force and like put them in in like prison, prison. for most of the series. Put them in like and tiger there's... boxes. <laughs> tiger boxes. <laughs> and there's drama between the X Force team and X Factor, which is a pretty interesting dynamic. Yeah. Like you imprison one of your fellow teams because you're not sure what they're capable of. They don't even really let them out until like the end of the series, which was kind of bonkers. I don't. I I wanted to go back. I don't think they ever 
visited the fact that they that whether they let him out or not. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think I mean I assumed they were let out at the end. So but they like, knock even worse, copy. Cannonball Cannonball was like working with X Force. Yeah, like, like that's they totally up his dynamic. They totally let Cannonball out, and they're like, if you're going to play nice with us and you're going to help us fight Apocalypse and Strife. Yes, you can come out and you can be free. And like later on, like issue seven or eight, he's like going down to check on him in the danger room in jail. He's like, how you guys holding up in here? He's like walking <laughs> free, like bragging because he can walk past all of them. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. why was the character of Cannibal ever popular ever in our lives? <laughs> he looked dope. He I had, had, I had, I had his costume. He had smoke I, or I had his action figure with that little blue jumpsuit jacket that he had. Okay. Yeah, that aviator's jacket and the yeah. got the goggles and stuff. I think he was popular in the New Mutants because I think that's where really where these pop ga- characters gained popularity, and then they eventually got their own thing, their own book. It's um, crazy to me how, I mean, how you would be able to just track like the lineage of, like the members of the book and how they moved into a different team and different book. Like, I, it's so it's so cool that the X universe has like that. Mm-hmm. such a special and frequently like the ch- roster changes and stuff like that. But you, you have to be some kind of expert. To, and it would be cool to like master that in a way. And also like to grow had if you had grown up reading it and like to grow up alongside the changes. Uh, this, that reminds me, I realized when I read this, like you remember when there was a blue strike team and a yellow strike team? Yeah, blue and gold, I think. Blue and gold. So, like, I, you know, in the modern era, you're like, oh, one team is the Astonishing X-Men. These are the Uncanny X-Men. So, like, to have the blue and gold back, I was like, oh, yeah. It's, like, something I liked a long time ago and forgot even existed. Yeah, it was a pretty smart way to separate the two X-Men titles for a period of time and, like, only have certain characters Mm -hmm. on one. And you, like, explain it that way in in the comic that they're two different teams internally. I loved the apocalypse stuff. I loved him mm-hmm. fighting and like always being near death. And that ending scene with him and Archangel drawn by Capullo was was actually really well done, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, this was like, this is the book that I, re, you know, I grew up on. And I, we talked about this before, like maybe we have different interpretations of books that we grew up on and it holds a special place. But I felt like this kind of held up for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it'll have a different reaction for someone who's never read it before, and they probably think it's trash. But I felt like this held up pretty well for me. No, yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think it holds up pretty well. I think maybe when we're younger, we just don't think to uh, observe on the plot holes that was left behind, or whatever, like X Factor, X Force being left in jail, or like whatever happened to the techno baby that was umbilically hooked up. Like they never, they never even touched upon. I felt like this is more adult than like a Maximum Carnage, like way yeah. more. Yeah, yes. A little heavier, a little different, a uh, little t- more... Uh, Much lower uh, body count. <laughs> no, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> right. assuage through the you know rivers of blood in Manhattan, but... <laughs> right. <clears throat> and uh, it, it was just, I mean, it was all, it, it holds up very well, like Cable Ship, the Grey Malkin. He's got the little onboard computer called Professor. Like, it's so cool loved the cable I, I mean i have those his first issue where he's got that little goatee and the shaved side of his head do you remember that mm-hmm. oh boy god damn i uh i, mean, I faved dark. a tweet from jim lind at you know maybe paper keg faved it i'm not sure uh <laughs> but i did hear the 90s theme song in my head 
Like mm. whenever the right. action swelled, I was like do 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 do. I love that song, by the way. But... <laughs> well, plus they're wearing all the same costumes from the animated series. Like this is a time capsule of mm-hmm. of everything about growing up with the X Men. That's like perfect. Anytime Cyclops can grab Jean's hand and fire an optic blast into the distance is really my bread and butter for me. I mean, that's the classic pose. Brandon Peterson. How about Brandon Peterson drawing the uncanny X-Men issues? Killing it. What a, what a, I love, I feel like his art held up. Yes. Whereas now I couldn't, I'm not into Brandon Peterson's art now. It's a little too, it's, it's very different. And I can't remember what series he did. I think it's, he did a bunch of Bendis's Avengers recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thought, yeah. It all, I mean, the art on all the books were superb. Loved them. I mean, um, they hold up so good. Man. On a, I mean, Bishop, remember Bishop joining the team, being like this weird, you know, hard ass, wanting to protect Professor X, because that's like his. His, that's what happens in his future. So he's worried about someone assassinating him. Of course, he blows it. They issue one, dummy, dummy. I just found. Uh, I just went on the Zon trying to find the old cable figure I had when I was a kid. I just found it in a re-release on Amazon, thirteen dollars twenty-four cents. I shouldn't hit this one-click buy button. That's for sure. Oh man, that's that's like series two or three of those X Men action figures. I remember when that came out, I had to get my hands on that cable figure. Had to. It's the one um, where it kind of looks like he's wearing like a shield uniform, but he's got like uh, like his cyborg arm is kind of like busting through it. Then he's got like the leather vest on, and he's got the uh, I would say like the yard of like ammo through his chain gun. Oh God! I just got a screenshot of it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, <laughs> Jesus! <Ooh. Fudge. laughs> yeah, he's his one arm. I think like moves up and down or something. It's got like that's like his action. And that's how you. I like, think how you fire the missile. That big gun that yeah. he's got, man. When I saw that in Toys R Us or Kitty City, whatever it was, Kitty City. Oh holy God. crap! You turn that oh, frown upside with down. The, they came with a Wolverine. Uh, card. Oh, wait a minute. What was the first one? Jonesy, I might be missing your first series. The second series one I have has clobber action, but then there's another one, maybe the one you're looking Holy at, that it's like less ass. detailed. Hang on. Which one are you? Slim. <laughs> right now, you can get a cable t-shirt with the cybernetic sleeve and like what I can see is maybe 36 to 44 pouches. That looks like your, ch- it's like your chest is Cable's chest. Right. Kind of thing. Right. And then one sleeve is blue and the other sleeve is like metal arm. Techno. Techno work. Wow. I wonder which one, I guess the one I'm looking at, there's third edition Cable. That's the one that I think is close to the one I had as a kid. Because I remember like the- a blue, he's got a blue outfit. Maybe that's right. the one you were talking about. Because I, I remember the, the gun, like the chain gun I used for like other figures. But I wonder when this other one came out, the one that I'm looking at, because it does look more detailed. It looks like Rob Liefeld actually designed it. Uh, with clobber action? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that's the one I'm looking People at. People, t- if you're tuning in just now, we are live surfing Amazon on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> For cable action figures, something that has never been done before in the history of podcasting. But yeah, this, I mean, the 1990, 
93. Like, mm. I remember reading this. I, I didn't know what Havoc sounded like. I thought he was, like, British. Every time I read Havoc in this book, he's got, like, a British accent. I remember this is the first time I've ever seen uh, rapport in in a comic book. I didn't know what that word meant. I mean, this is, this is like, a big educational piece for my life. Like, the first time I've ever seen words is in X-Men comic books. Like, certain words. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's mm. amazing. The, uh... Sad news. Uh, before, you know, d- much, days before we we were recording this, the the Amazon hardcover was sold out. So I had, I mean, oh. I I bought digital. It's not it's not a bad thing that I bought digital, but I really would like that hardcover. I don't really feel like you mean that even one iota when you say that you wanted that hardcover. You wanted the hardcover. I want the, I wanted the hardcover. There's maybe oh. just one space left on your nine shelving units you have in your man cave, and there's no sh- there's no shelf space. You still have that table that's just like strewn about with uh, hardcovers or trades in in that basement. <laughs> he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to answer that question. Has he, has Dale. the pile moved under the table because you've run out of room? Be honest. You noticed how high my laptop is sitting on <laughs> when I record this thing. <laughs> There was a. I was. I was looking up the strife. Um, uh, oh, before I mention this, the one other thing that I remember really loving about this era of books, and I would always read it in Wizard, where they like recapped or like remember this moment in X Men comics that hasn't been addressed yet, or like I wonder when they're going to come back to this. But like, Mister Sinister like gets this vial from Strife that supposedly has the Summer's DNA from like thousands of years. Oh yeah, I remember those moments in comics where something would happen. And it would just sit for like years, and then they would bring it up later. I feel like that just never—that's just something that has been retired from superhero comics. That's the legacy the virus, part. right? Yeah, and when he opened it, it was empty, and it was the legacy virus, and it just like you know he like breathes in, right? Is it? I don't remember what Mister Mister Sinister did with it because Sinister's like telling that dude to get that cough checked out. It's like, well, he's infected with something, obviously. Oh, there's really? a I don't remember that. There's a weird yeah. trend in these books to try to make something like ancient, I feel. You know what I mean? We're like, this has been going on for X's, you know, X amount of millennia. And this goes back all the way to the, you know, Mesopotamia or something weird like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like I don't know where was there a desire in the nineties for that? Or was it all like, man, Hellboy is really killing it over Dark Horse. Maybe we should add some mysticism. You know, in our books, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question because that like fifty percent of apocalypse I don't really care about, and that's that kind of he lives in an Egyptian tomb and he's been he guarding. Was, he was or was not a pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think apocalypse is cool. I like that he's like all powerful and he's got the uh, the four horsemen, and obviously he's you know archangels, one of the most ba characters. Of the '90s, especially in this book, I mean. Oh yeah, remember we he cuts that dude's head off. It, it, oh yeah, but supposedly nowhere. he doesn't know that he did it. <laughs> so like, like, oh my god, did somebody stick their head back there? I didn't even know. Not quite as iconic as Wolverine's snicked, but whenever uh, Warren like drops his like image cloak and his wings like come, he, like his wings are like retracted in this like Voltron esque. Mm-hmm. V and whenever they snap out, it's like S is about to get on. Yeah, I remember the animated series; they, they sounded cool uh, when he unsheathed them. Yeah, God. The other, the other. Um, oh my God! I just stumbled upon ComicCollectorLive.com, and now I'm looking at. Oh man, 
Yeah. Oh God, this is gonna be all night. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was gonna say. Something about Stripe or something. Oh yeah, I looked up Stripe's wiki. He did some really messed up stuff. There's one article where it says that he went back in time at one point and raped uh, Cable's wife, like in the or in the future, and at the like the day before that Cable's son was actually conceived. So Tyler Cable's son is actually Strife's son. And he like revealed it to Cable like you know decades later. That is like the craziest Jesus. thing I've ever heard. What? And this was in like the nineties X Men comics. That would have never that gotten written that. today. That would have thank God that never would have got cleared through editorial thank today. God, that was nutty. And this is when they had the biggest circulation. You got to figure there's a hard R story probably sitting in the basement of you know millions of comic book collectors today. Mutant X. Do you remember that storyline? Oh my God, Maximum Carnage three pack. Jesus. I remember the Mutant X, like, what is it, on the thing on the cover, the header, or the... Yeah, the logo? The logo, yeah. Oh, my God. You're in deep. He, <laughs> I mean, in, his I'm eyes... In, I'm B-deep right now in Toy Biz action figures. <laughs> maybe I should get that. Let me get the. You know, I think maybe we've done enough Just hit, for Executioner's song. Hit that letter sounder. And then while Dale, Dale and I read some letters, you just dive back in. Right? Let me fire it up. Let me close this article. Yeah. Hang on. Just, we got your letters. You go back in. Uh, Dale's going to open them up. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Good. I'm going to read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You want to re- write us a letter with my radar on that? Our first letter uh, comes to us from show friend. Uh, he writes, uh, hey, guys. I was just thinking about that mess I got in when I started calling everybody legacy friends. And then right, yeah. You're I just immediately like, cut my knees off. <clears throat> hey guys, just dropping a line to let Slim know I finally got around to finishing Fear Agent Volume 1. Gotta say, I really dug it, and aside from wanting to read the second volume, I want more sci-fi in general. Black Science is on my list of things to read, but can you recommend mm. something else? I feel like I just need to go old school and track down some old Wally Wood comics to scratch my itch. Mm. After the last Lone Wolf and Cub ep, I feel uh, I fell down a dark rabbit hole of Grindhouse Samurai movies, mm. particularly Zadoichi, The Blind Swordsman. They got me thinking, why don't you guys quit goofing around and review The Last Samurai already? I'm with you on that one. Uh, warm up the sake, tune the shemison, and pull back the kimonos. Oh. It's what the people want, bebs. Uh, that he, He's writing bebs. I didn't put that in. Uh, lastly, I have a listener lightning round. Yeah. Wolverine <laughs> Bloody Choices by Tom DeFalco and John Pusema. What happens when Wolverine tracks down a child-abusing drug lord and the only thing standing in his way is none other than Nick Fury? Comic gold. Until next wow. time, Keggers, that's our dear friend under an anchor on the Twitter. Tell you what, that... That is one of one of my fave Wolverine stories because it's just so it, they never talk about it ever or it's never like reprinted or bloody I think it's bloody choices is that what he said it was yeah 
Like, well, yeah, Wolverine goes after, like, a child molester. Nick Fury stops him because the guy has, like, you know, um, diplomatic immunity, pretty oh. much. Or something like that. Mm, put, a, and put it on the Busem- Busema art is amazing. And there's also a subplot where the guy that he's going after has a bodyguard that looks like Wolverine, but he's got, like, a mustache. He's, like, he's like Garth from Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also got... Um, a Wolverine, he's got like a singular sword claw that comes out of his wrist. Jesus. And they allude to like them being brothers, but the guy's never mentioned ever again after this. Put it on the dock. Get it on there. It's probably Romulus. It dock. Let me let me just type that up on my dock right now. Yeah, I can typing. hear I can hear you typing in the background. <laughs> I actually love that uh, samurai movie too. There's one I think it's the climax of the movie. I think if you Google or YouTube rather like samurai fight, it's the first result. It's like him in a like killing fields with like one sword just mowing through like sixty other Tom samurai. Nah, Zato Zatoichi, I think. Zatoichi. Zatoichi. Is it Zatoichi? Is that right? It's been so long since I've seen it, but that sounds wrong. I uh, whatever way I said it is probably wrong. Dale's right, right, guys. <laughs> a little six degrees from under an anchor. Uh, my lady and I uh, oh, spent a weekend spent a weekend Bar Harbor, Maine, one fall before. We uh, laid as man and wife and had children, so it was just us. <laughs> had a cabin fire. They had some like old timey theater there, and uh, one of the movies playing was Zatoichi, the Blind Swordsman. So we went <laughs> and watched it. Had dinner there. It was glorious. Great. It was. Gr- it's a great series of movies. I mean, it's a uh, you know if you've ever seen Blind Fury, the movie based on those with one Rucker Hauer. You know what it's all about. I really feel like you totally untied the kimono for that one. And I thank you for that. I was wondering where that story was going to go. I mean, I was, you know, what's going on? It was Under an Anchor part of some kind of freaky, you know, experimentation? That, Did Under an Anchor father one of your children? I mean. The, some God. kind of, you know, unspoken agreement that they had. I don't know. You're going to edit all this out. <laughs> uh, next up, Hey Keggers. Listener milestone, subject of the email. I started listening to Paper Keg two years ago with episode 143, Astonishing X-Men. Great, jumping on point, 143. When I found your show from a tweet by Slim, I wasn't sure what to expect, expect, but immediately became a fan. As a guy who grew up... As a guy who grew up in the 80s loving comic books and watching pro wrestling, and now a father or two, I knew I had found my people. Since I'm 100 episodes in, I wanted to share a few of my listening experiences. I once spent an entire month working my way through your back catalog, simply trying to figure out who was this mysterious fourth host and how did he die? Rest in peace, Mark. (laughs) I laughed myself to tears in public when Dale once lamented about his wife, leaving him to solo parent for the weekend. He went on to describe a scene that involved humidifiers filled with ether, passed out children, and a glass of whiskey. I've never been able to look at the Aliens franchise the same since Jonesy coined the phrase mouthy style during your st- <laughs> during your Superman versus Aliens episode. Look forward to your show every week. Thank you for the laughs and expanding my uh, comics horizon. I forgot about if, mouthy style. Sorry. If any, of you, if any of you ever find yourself in Oklahoma City, I would love to buy you a brew or two. Sincerely, Jared at, and that's at OK Whale on the Twitter. P.S. Listener Lightning Round, Jonesy. Mm. 
Copperhead, uh, Volume 1. A fantastic space western with great characters and beautiful art. Still flying, Joss. Joss, we're still out here. <laughs> we're still flying. You can't take the sky from me. <laughs> uh, Mouthy style. <laughs> I gotta go back and listen to that episode. All right. Thank you, okay, well, on the Twitter. That's uh, beautiful, that a great, man. Great letter. Next letter from friend of the show, possibly new friend of the show. Here I say, can I just interject? Sorry for one second. The X Men Age of Apocalypse action figure line, which I think was designed by Joe Mad. Do you wow. remember those figures? Mm-hmm. The Wolverine with the hand missing, and the. I mean, I'm still in heaven right now. Sorry, go ahead. I think Patch. Was in there too, was he not? Oh, I have I have that one open in a tab. The patch one. <laughs> oh wait, one step ahead. Of <laughs> Tabbing through. Tabbing through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next letter, new listener and carnage is the subject. Uh, hey there, keggers. As you maybe saw on Twitter, I found out about you guys through a tweet or two from Scotty Young a while back. Uh, I subscribed uh, to you in my podcast app and had Paper Keg just sitting there waiting on deck. Until I finally pulled the trigger, and I'm glad I finally did. Uh, I'm slowly getting through some of your back catalog of things that I've also personally read, and like that sometimes you may not have the same general consensus of a book as the rest of the masses do. Uh, it's like seeing a certain book in a, uh, a whole new light. Uh, when I got to your Maximum Carnage episode, I was hesitant to listen, as I've never read it myself, but thought, what the hey, I'll probably actually never read this anyway, what do these guys have to say? And to my listening pleasure, it's almost everything I wanted to hear. I've never liked Carnage as a character, even as a child. I always took him as the big, bloody, scabby booger of Spider-Man's Rogue's <laughs> Gallery. Excellent visual. <laughs> and that anyone who's ever recommended this book to me has probably never read any comic after 1995. Yeah. Even Carnage's ultimate debut was stupid and contrived, and I'm pretty sure universally est on. Uh, so now that I've got that out, what I'm trying to say is keep up the good work and you have a fan for life. I have a podcast myself I do weekly, as well as a comic book-centric YouTube show I do with a friend, and I know it's difficult to find a time to put these things out together every week, especially with some little ones running around, so thanks again. And it's signed Troy to the Max Extreme. Uh, if you feel like... In- <laughs> If you feel like including them, my shows are the Review Review Off Topic Podcast, and I'll spell that for anyone interested. The Review, R-E-V-I-E-W, space R-E-V-U-E. And you can find them on Twitter, at Off Podcast, O-F-F-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And the Imperious Rex Show on YouTube. Also on Twitter, you can find them at, at Imperious Rex Show. No spaces. So check him out. Scotty Young. Scotty Too Hottie. Helping us out love, again. Love that guy. Remember that episode we did with him show. that we didn't record? I don't even know how. I don't know how we would ever recover from that. I mean, Scotty, I, I need you back on here, but I probably couldn't even look you in the eyes because I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Iceman figure that came with the slide that you could pour the water in and put in the freezer oh. and it would turn to ice? Slim, should I uh, hide this episode so your wife can't hear all the one-click buys you just did on Amazon <laughs> and had shipped to your office? 
Listen, comiccollectorlive.com. You want to reach out? We'll chat. Mm. We'll make something happen here. I He's feel like in maps of Hawaii over there. We're going to go visit Slim at his Manhattan office one day, and there's going to be a shelving unit mm-hmm. with just every uh, figure from Age of Apocalypse one that he opened and one that he bought to keep. I mean, yeah, every Wolverine street clothes edition. Where Is it the, the yellow flannel vest with the brown with and the brown yellow, leather yellow jacket? flannel shirt, blue jeans that really ahead of its time, skin tight, painted on those legs of his. Mm. It's got, He's big, got legs. big legs, man. Whoa, Jinx. My God, my love, we're, in love. we're in love. Real big. How about that? Oh, it's it's kind of along the same lines. Uh, I texted you that picture from the comic shop in Wilmington, Delaware, that statue of Old Man Logan. Mm. Oh, God. Ooh, a man alive. Whoever knew Wolverine in the duster would be so bad. Right? I need, I need to go take a cold shower as soon as he sent me that photo. Probably did, too. Good thing Ice you're probably... Cold. You're probably five feet from that shower, you know, luckily. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I mean, like, I meant to say, like, you're across the hall, but since I can't form words out of my dumb (laughs) hick mouth, that that's what came out of my mouth. I'm sorry, podcast listening audience. (laughs) Howdy. Had to get back on the listener lightning round bandwagon, Jonesy. Yeah, yeah, that's the best bandwagon ever. I mean... We're getting like three a week. I mean, I'm knocking this table over almost. You get you catch my, my meaning? Probably like a, the, the Labrador Retriever's tail swinging through that house. <laughs> I'm knocking over lamps, you know? <laughs> this one is a doozy, he, he also claims to say. Uh, all new, all different Marvel Universe number one. Way back in the olden times when I used to walk down to the local comic store every week to buy the latest X comic with six different covers... Some of my favorite comics were the book's official handbook of the Marvel Universe A to Z and who's who in the DC Universe. So this book serves that little geek kid in my soul that just wants to know the stories and backgrounds of characters does not have the time or will to read all the books. Thanks. At Very Exciting on the Twitter. I had a couple Thanks, of very those. exciting. I had a... I think I had the X-Men guy to the X-Mansion... And I think I I kept it, but I think I I think I bought a second issue so I could tear out the poster of the two blackbirds that was mm-hmm. in like the middle scene. But I don't I have no idea what that poster is now at this time of my life. But it was the one where it had like the original like SR seventy one seventies blackbird and then it also had like the nineties like streamlined redesign. You feel oh, me right yeah. now? I feel like I'm on a blackbird, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, what else did I have? I also had the Gene Gray and Scott Summers wedding album. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Remember getting that invite? You're invited to the wedding from your comic shop. Yep. Man, I, I those were the days. God, my, let's never leave the '90s, guys. You know, no, never again. This is actually paper cake of the '90s. We're we're going into season four here. Yep. Shatterstar. That's another character I want to talk about in the book club. I thought Shatterstar was going to be like the next big thing. And I remember he showed up in a Wolverine issue and I remember being bummed <laughs> in that issue where he said that like, you know, I wanted to join the X-Men, but I landed in the wrong place. So I joined X-Force and I was like, oh man, you could have been on the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Double it's sword. like totally scripted. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm looking through um, the X-Force thinking? action figures on Toy Biz right now. 
There was like nine cable figures. Wow. He had probably as many as Wolverine. Well, Wolverine christened him as the new bad A. Christened of the him the new BA. Yeah. In town. Mm-hmm. Handed it over at a Mansium call to Cybernetic Eye that blinked all the time. That's right. That's what happened. Constantly needing moisture, that cybernetic eye. I think uh, I feel bad that they had not yet developed Bluetooth technology in the future, and he had to wear that headgear all the time. I know what a shame. You know, there's alternate time, alternate timelines. Just you know, you don't have the same stuff. And what a great episode! Definitely, somebody fantastic cloned my alternate timeline self, hard art my past. Oh my God! Child and mm-hmm. birth. This wind column episode. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll edit that all out. Oh, thank God, because that was <laughs> that was bad even for me. We'll th- we'll throw all that into the uh, strife strike file. You can read that there. <laughs> Jokes on you. No Next. one's actually ever read it. <laughs> Next week we got something special cooked up. We're oh, still yeah. formulating it. Dale's crunching the numbers. He's tracking down the issues. I'm I'm seeing just how many trying to maximize the amount of issues we can do in one week so we're going to be working on that yeah one could say that this show could be reborn next week stay tuned goodbye goodbye Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'll be here all week. Amazing rendition. Okanosis, Tennessee, my hometown and my heart. What a show. So, fantastic episode. It really was. Nailed, we nailed it this week. I mean, not just we, nostalgia. I mean, we're really we're feeling house. it. I mean, this is our time, boys. <laughs> I'd be walking in the mall. I'd hop on into the booksmith. Buy a couple packs of cards before heading down to the Challenges Arcade. Ooh, oh, Challenges. Boy. Fudge. Ugh. God. <laughs> Nightmade. Pick out some chicks. Scope some chicks. Pick Scope them up. Scope some chicks. Go watch the X-Files movie at the Dollar Theater, and they forgot the last reel, so they're just like, here's a bag of stale popcorn. You mean the Village Mall? Is that yeah. what you're talking about, Yep, the electronic, or whatever it's called, electronic eye movies. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I don't know how that place got away with dollar movies. Well, I'll tell you how. They didn't have tell the me. third reels of a lot of movies, <laughs> and they just gave you stale <laughs> A popcorn. <laughs> like, get out. That place was an asshole. I remember <laughs> oh, that yeah. theater. It was... Like, definitely the quintessential theater with, like, the muck caked on the floor that never you got could, mopped. Like, I think I remember, like, my shoe... Yeah, getting, getting stuck, stuck on that just floor. walk right like, out of it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Village Mall. Like I'm sure there was like moss, peat moss growing on the floor. 
Is there is that mall still open? The village mall itself was uh what do you call it, renovated. Yeah. But they're still having a ton of problems getting like long term business in there. It was like the dirt mall. If like the Willow Grove Mall Mm. was the mall, this was like like the It's like a weird strip mall, but it has an indoor strip. That is weird. You know, it was like a straight line. Happer Village uh, baseball card conventions there. Yeah. And they used to have uh, Hapra Hardware. And my dad used to take me and we get like a Matchbox car mm-hmm. and then go see a movie. Literally now he was taking me on a day date for like two fifty. But you know, <laughs> whatever. I used to get my uh, wrestling magazines at that magazine shop. The PWI, Pro Wrestling Oh, yeah. I, I remember that. And there was like a pet store right next to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, Dale, uh, just so you know, don't. Don't uh, jump off the line just yet. We're just waxing nostalgic about our own Upper Moreland childhood. You know, it's okay. I wish I had somebody from down here on the on the line with me so I could do the same thing about my <laughs> mall, my crap mall. But that's fine. Do they have malls around around <laughs> you back then? Cumberland Mall. And it's it really just crappy. like two Windstar trailers that Dino operates <laughs> behind his pizza shop slash pharmacy. Yeah, slash that dumb hick he's never getting out. Yeah. <laughs>